and welcome to our NJ Decides 2022 Election Exchange Podcast. I'm Colleen O'Day, and we're weeks away from the midterm elections, where your vote is critical and could decide the balance of power in Congress. All 12 congressional seats are up for grabs here in New Jersey, so we're talking to the candidates and drilling down on the issues to help you decide where to cast your vote in November. Today, I'm here with two-term Democratic incumbent from the 3rd Congressional District, Andy Kim. District 3 spans Burlington, Mercer, and Monmouth counties. He's facing off against businessman Republican Bob Healy. Representative Kim, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Um, So the first question is kind of a basic one. Uh, Why should voters in the 3rd District give you a third term in Congress? It has been a really humbling experience getting to representing Congress, the community where I went to kindergarten, where my youngest son goes to kindergarten now. This is my home, and this is our home. So I hope the voters see that that's why I'm doing this. I am someone who's dedicated my entire career to public service. I worked under both Republicans and Democrats. I don't actually come at this from being a politician. In fact, I consider myself to be a public servant, not a politician. And I think right now that's what people are looking for a different approach to politics, a way that cuts through and and pushes aside the toxicity. But beyond that, I also feel like I've been able to show that I can deliver, uh, to be able to deliver for the joint military base in our district, to be able to support our military and our veterans, and also to pass transformative legislation to be able to lower prescription drug costs for seniors. So these steps are ones that I'm proud of, and I hope that the voters think about when they go into the booth on November 8th. So do you want to mention one, one of, what's one of the things you've delivered for the district? Yeah, well, look, um, two things that come to mind. One is uh, in terms of legislation, you know, I had a lot of people in this district, seniors telling me that they're paying $500 out of pocket every single month for their prescription drugs, which is upwards of $6,000 or more. When I hear this in you know the 55 town halls that I've done for this community, I hear it over and over again. So I set out to write legislation, draft legislation to try to address this. So I wrote legislation that caps out-of-pocket costs for seniors on Medicare uh, at $2,000 a year for the prescription drugs. That's $166 a month. And was able to get that introduced into Congress in the Inflation Reduction Act and now as law. And once this is fully implemented, no senior in America will ever have to pay more than $166 a month for their prescription drugs, no matter how many pills they take or what medications or conditions that they have. So that's real change. And then on top of that, another example that's not legislative, but I've been doing so much for our veterans, and I'm honored to to have been able to work with them. Uh, one issue that I kept hearing about is just the lack of health care, the lack of the kind of quality care that they need. So I was able to work across the aisle with with officials at every level of government to get a groundbreaking of a brand new $60 million state-of-the-art VA health clinic for veterans here in New Jersey. And I'm proud of that. And I think that kind of effort is is hopefully why uh, the, the VFW, the Veterans of Foreign Wars, uh, named me as their legislator of the year here in New Jersey. So these are the types of things that I've tried to get across the line. So you mentioned the Inflation Reduction Act, and I want to talk about inflation. Um, National polling shows that inflation is the number one issue uh, that voters uh, have on their minds. Um, Your opponent says that you're not talking much about inflation. Uh, Is he right? And and do you think inflation is the biggest um, issue? 
Well, it's definitely the biggest issue. And I talk about it constantly. As I said, I've done now 55 town halls in this community. I go to every single area. And I say in every single one, whether you voted for me or not, you're my boss. And my job's to, to work for you. So I'm not really sure what my opponent's talking about because I'm constantly trying to address issues to lower out-of-pocket costs for everybody, for working families. This is why we're trying to we're trying to fix the supply chain challenges that we face and then we've helped pass legislation to do so, that we're taking these steps to lower healthcare costs, especially for our seniors who are on fixed incomes, that we're trying to take on the corporate price gouging that has been responsible for some of this rise in challenges. And then also why I worked on what's called the Chips and Science Act, which would be about uh, about securing our supply chains going forward and trying to bring more jobs back to America, having them here where we can be more resilient to the turbulent, turbulence uh, that's happening globally. So these are the steps I'm trying to work on. And I think people in my district know that I've been working for them. And there have been some reports that say the Inflation Reduction Act is really misnamed, that it it's not going to do much about inflation. What, what do you say to that? Well, I say, look, it's important that we lower our deficit. And I think everyone will recognize that that being able to do that, having uh, reducing that by what over three hundred billion dollars, uh, is an important step. And as I said, I try to think about this in terms of out-of-pocket costs for people, because right now, what people are struggling with, it's not just about the inflation, but it's about the challenges across the board for what they have to pay. And for different families, I don't mean different things. For some family, it's going to be more when it comes to their housing costs. For others, it might be more on health care costs or gas costs. So I'm trying to figure out what are places where we can reduce that pressure and try to give people that breathing space to be able to do, especially with the work that I do. I'm the only member of Congress from New Jersey on the Small Business Committee, and I've been proud of the work there and just trying to help our small business owners, our working families be able to pay the bills. You know, that's something that I've been laser focused on. I think we're, we're hearing in all of the races, not just yours, that Republicans are blaming um, Democrats in Congress and the Biden administration for inflation. Is that a fair place to place blame or is it a more nuanced issue? And how do you get that across to the voters? How do you yeah. get voters to understand that? No, thanks for the question, because I, I think it's one of the things that this is the kind of stuff that, that Americans hate. Is just the kind of cherry picking of data to try to, you know, weaponize that for partisan attacks. Look, when you look at the spending that we did for COVID to help the American people, two thirds of that spending came under the Trump administration. And I worked with Republicans to pass the CARES Act that helped keep millions of small businesses alive. So is my opponent saying that he wouldn't have supported that because it was done unanimously? And all these pieces of legislation, all the effort, you know, like, again, I'm on the Small Business Committee. Is my opponent saying he wants to cut all the support that we provided through the Paycheck Protection Program? Like, what spending is he actually talking about? You know, and I think that that's that's where things get difficult is like it's easy for him to just to push back against a top line number. But when you really dissect it and recognize that, yes, two thirds of that happened under Trump. Does he have a problem with that? Is he going to assign Trump with two-thirds of the blame for the problems that we have? No, of course not, because he's just looking at this in terms of his partisan talking points. And I think, the, again, the American people recognize that that was done 
in a largely bipartisan way because there were real problems out there. And if my pro- my opponent has a problem with that, then look, he should talk to the small business owners that got that help from the relief that we provided. You know, a, a part of inflation is gas prices and and boy, it seems like, you know, everybody's everybody's com- been complaining about gas prices. Um, again, that's something that it seems Republicans are, are blaming on the Biden administration. But it, it, wasn't it really the Ukraine war that, that kind of drove up these prices? How do you how do you get those? How do you get that message across to voters? I mean, to, to kind of cut through some of that rhetoric that you hear during a campaign. Yeah, well, I, I find that most of the voters I talk to, they, I mean, it's it's hurting them at the pump and at the grocery store and other challenges like that. But a lot of them have a, a longer memory than my opponent likes to give them credit for. I mean, they recognize that, you know, that gas prices went to record lows during the pandemic because people weren't driving as much. And uh, so, yes, if you're comparing the gas prices to what it was, you know, at the, at the height of the pandemic, you know, it's it's certainly going to be more than that. Um, but, you know, we've seen the prices go down for a bit. Um, now we're not sure, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll, they won't, they'll stay on the lower end to be able to help provide some relief. But absolutely, I mean, the, the, the global shocks, I mean, we're talking about a global commodity here. What happened in Ukraine and the invasion there? I mean, it's just mind-boggling that we're talking to each other at a at a time when there's a, you know, there was a ground invasion and a war in Europe. Uh, that has real impact, and you know, to try try to discount that and just again make it all about politics. That's the kind of stuff I can't say often enough that people just roll their eyes at constantly of just like trying to just use every and all measure um, rather than just doing what we should be doing. We should be rooting for America and like we should all want our gas prices to go down and we should all want our our jobs report to be strong and try to figure out real ways to address that. You know, I think we're so, I mean, I can speak for myself too. It seems like we're so focused on inflation and and local issues that the war seems to be getting lost. Um, What do you think about the steps that the United States has taken so far um, in terms of Ukraine? Should we be just kind of stay what we're doing? Should we be doing more? Should we get more involved? Well, first, I always want to say is like, you know, I, I always want people to be reassured that Look, we understand the challenges that our Americans are facing right now and the struggles they hear at home. And I, I also want us to still believe in the kind of America that is a beacon for democracy, that stands up for those that are struggling to keep their freedoms abroad. Often it's kind of portrayed as zero sum, this idea that, you know, that, that whatever we're giving there is taken away from Americans here. It, it's not true. And... There is a way for us to continue to be that global leader that, you know, that many generations before us fought for. And when it comes to Ukraine, you know, they're not asking for our troops. You know, they're not asking for U.S. service members on the ground risking their life. They're asking for the equipment, the humanitarian assistance, and the military equipment. And frankly, the Ukrainians are doing a phenomenal job. They have defied every expectation. And the reason why is because they have the will to fight. They want their country to be free. And I think we should help them. I think we have the capacity, not alone, but globally, we can work together with others to be able to do so while we're also making sure we're taking steps to to take care of families back here. And so, again, I just I get frustrated sometimes um, when when it's kind of portrayed as a zero sum that that for some reason, 
you know, caring about people in other countries means that we're not delivering for Americans here. That's not the case. And again, I think we're always very proud of the role that America's played to bring freedom to people all over this world. And we can do both. And we can afford the, the kind of... Um support we've been giving them? Yeah, we, we, we can. And, and we continue to have strong bipartisan support for that, uh, to be able to make sure that we're being forward-leaning. And look, you know, we can't help but recognize that this is a, 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 an adversary of ours that, that Ukraine is going up against. You know, Vladimir Putin is someone who has honestly often and and countless times try to sabotage our efforts, try to push back on, on America, try to uh, attack us through cyber attacks and other things like that. You know, we have to keep in mind that this broader effort, that, that this collision course between democracies and authoritarianism right now, we have to make sure that we're looking at in that bigger context. So I want to bring us back to um, to the third district. Looks a lot different than it used to, doesn't yeah. it? Um, you, we we had redistricting happen at the end of last year. You've got a, a district that's somewhat different. You've you've kind of moved to the north. You've moved away from the shore. Um, what do, what do you see in your have you have you traveled much in the new yeah. district? And what do you see? Are there different concerns among people there? You're right. There's a there is a difference there. It's um, you know 43 percent new voters. So, um, you know, still the majority of the district is my home county of Burlington County, where I grew up. Um, but as I get to know people in Mercer County and Monmouth County, um, what I'll say is, yes, there are some there are some different issues that come up here and there, um, you know, different communities, different um, challenges that they face, whether that's about, um, you know, the development and infrastructure challenges uh, or about, you know, community and societal challenges. But a lot of what I hear stays pretty consistent, you know, concerns about uh, about the economy, but also just concerns in general about just the divisiveness in America. You, I can't stress how much people go back to this, just this feeling of like, how how is it that we're at this moment where, where such change is happening? You know, there's just the, the, the sheer concerns that people have, you know, based off what the Supreme Court did in in just gutting Roe v. Wade. And just it gives the people this anxiety right now where they don't know what America is going to look like six months now from now or 12 months from now, because it feels like everything's unsettled, that everything's up for grabs. That, that, that's adding to a lot of people's anxieties about, you know, what to expect in their own life. Yeah, so we're running out of time, but very quickly, I wanted to ask you about the, the question of abortion, which you brought up. How big of an issue is that for your district, do you think? And what should Congress do next, if anything, um, on the issue? Yeah, well, look, uh, uh, it's a huge issue. I hear from everybody. Um, and I think there's a real concern. There's a, I think this is also one of the most striking differences between me and my opponent, you know, I'm somebody who's now voted twice to, to codify Roe v. Wade in, in legislation and in law, whereas my opponent is someone who said that the Supreme Court made the right call. You know, he has, has said that it's, it's, uh, you know, that, that it's unfortunate that New Jersey has the kind of protections that it does when it comes to abortion. So we just see very different on this. And I think most people here in New Jersey, they want to be able to keep our rights. They don't want women's rights in particular to go backwards. So, uh, you know, I, I hope people recognize that this is very much at stake still. I know it's easy to sometimes feel like here in New Jersey that that 
that law didn't necessarily change the day to day. Um, but it could. When we hear about these, you know, national abortion bans, 15-week national abortion bans and, and other things like that, that could affect us. And there are other challenges that we could face. So, you know, this is something where I hope people recognize we can make no assumptions right now about what happens in America and that this election is going to have a determining factor in terms of which path we go down as a country. And I hope people see in this district as, as uh, you know, as illust- illustrative of that difference. And that wraps up our chat with Representative Kim. Thank you very much. We will also be speaking with Republican Bob Healy, so check out that episode as well. NJ Decides 2022 Election Exchange is a New Jersey Spotlight News production. Jamie Kraft is the executive producer. Our executive in charge of production is Joe Lee. Rob Rowan is the producer, Elvin Badger is the director, and Mark Nixdorf is our audio recording engineer. Chloe Matizzi is our production manager, and David Krieger is our audio editor. Thanks for being here.